Dax Hill just finished his first season as a starting safety for the Cincinnati Bengals, and there were some ups and downs. Let's talk about those ups and downs. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake. Let's go along with your host James Rapine. Today we're joined by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands of It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati and AllBengals.com to talk about Dax Hill's year as safety, the pros, the cons, the areas for improvement, etc. This episode is on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. So if whatever you're listening to isn't convenient, you've got other options. And if you're new, you can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any Bengals content this offseason, which will be a crazy one, whether it's coaching changes, whether it's free agency or the draft, we'll have you covered all year here on Locked On Bengals. And Mike, it's time to talk. Dax Hill, you just did a big film review. You reviewed his entire season. It was a lot of criticism for Dax Hill. First year playing, extended time at safety in the NFL, a different role for him than he had in college, right? What's the biggest difference? Let's start there. What is he acclimatizing himself to that's different from what he played at Michigan in college and now is doing in the NFL for the Bengals? He was more of an overhang slot defender at Michigan than he was a true safety. And I think that shows up the most, like there's some rawness to him playing. We'll get into this a lot, but they deployed him as a deep safety plenty. Now he played some of that and he played some underneath middle of the field coverage as well. It's not like they only put him on the outsides and over the nickel and man coverage, but I think that's the biggest difference is just moving more central, more to the spine of the defense than, you know, like you kind of are kind of aren't as a nickel, but when you move directly in there and everything's moving a little bit faster, you have to read things a little bit faster and from a different angle and your keys are different when you're playing safety and, I feel like that's the biggest difference. They just had him play real safety all the time. They didn't ask him to be a nickel because they have Mike Hilton. They didn't ask him to play a ton of overhang because that's not his job in this defense. Just for the snap count purpose here at Michigan, PFF charted Dax in a safety alignment, free safety alignment 80 times out of 893 snaps his last season in Michigan, 580 slot corner snaps, 132 box snaps, and those could be those overhang snaps or strong safety snaps, but compared to Cincinnati where it's large, large majority free or strong safety alignments for Dax Hill, that is a pretty big difference. Sorry, James, get in there. No, you're good. I, I, I think there's a lot there and there's a lot to discuss with Dax. Let's go with the, the idea that they, the Bengals should move him to slot corner, which has been tossed around on social media. Do you, do you think that I want to get into more of how he played safety wise and all of those things, but long story short, do you think that's something they should consider doing? I wouldn't do it this year. I, I don't think I'm really considering it too much unless he completely flames out at safety. And I don't think he did. Uh, I think he should stay in one position. Really? I think of maybe that's just what I know from offensive line play is like, keep that guy in the same position, stop asking him to flip sides or learn a new position. Just keep him there. He's going to learn and get better. He's going to be raw if he plays slot corner in the NFL too. He, I know he played a, a little bit in college. The other thing with it is just 
he's doing a great job doing some safety things we'll get into, and there's potential for the other safety things. And then the areas of improvement, I think there's a real case that he improves in those areas. And taking that and switching to slot corner, it's a different job. And it has, asks different things of him. There are big differences between Jesse Bates and Dax Hill. That is for sure. Jesse Bates, prototypical post-safety, can play single high, is going to be coming off the top. The, the NFL's prototype at, at free safety with Dax, he can play some slot corner for you, and he did align there some. He did go down and, and walk over some slots. He did cover a lot of tight ends when they were out in the slot and man coverage, and I thought he did pretty well when he did have to go, especially with tight ends, deal with that. But we'll talk about some of the things he did well. What the upside is that Dax offers you, and Mike, you can tell me if you agree or disagree here, is versatility. You look at some of the best safeties around the NFL, it's the guys that can align anywhere, that can do any number of things at a high level, and there's some areas of his game that he he needs to do at a higher level more consistently. But the fact is, is that he can't align in the box, he can't align at deep safety, he can't align in, in the slot, and that versatility, that flexibility – seems to me to offer a lot if he can harness some of the the raw edges of his game. Yeah, I think the versatility is huge. I don't I've never seen him as the outside corner type even though he got thrown into that that one game where it was a yeah. It was a game. But and, um and honestly I thought he had the tools to do it. I think like if he had been playing corner his whole life, I think he could do it, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, um but yeah, you need you could do some interesting stuff by having him take some slots that some snaps at a slot like position, even if it's not truly the slot. Say Cam to the Brits over a guy, he motions into like a twins slot formation, but you're not in a nickel. You're in your base defense. Well, if Dax runs down and he can play man to man coverage on that guy, you don't need to tip your hand and have Cam to the Brit travel with him. That's just one example, but if you can get him to rough, if you can smooth out these edges, these rough edges that he has right now and the rawness of his game, yeah, the the Swiss Army knife, the jack of all trades type of safety is the ideal position for him, I think. Or what I've always thought is kind of slender box safety Buddha Baker type. We we talked with Joe Goodberry last week. Make sure you check out our three part series if you haven't yet, but. He said, potential-wise, he still sees it with Dax. And of these young DBs, has him probably first as far as potential and, and ceiling goes uh, for where he could be, who he could end up being. You've watched all of these guys. Now, obviously, you did the feature on DaxForAllBengals.com. Is, is that still the case for you? Do you feel that way? Knowing what he could be, what his full potential is versus these rough edges that you're talking about. And we can get into more detail about both the positives and the negatives, but is that where you're at? Or do you think one of these other guys is ahead of him? I think he has the most potential. I, I, I don't know how much of his realized potential just yet, but when you even look at stuff, he didn't do that often in college, but it's asked to do now. And he didn't do at a great level at the NFL. Well, a lot of it isn't, he can't do that. It's that he is, failing to do that but showing glimpses of what could be if he does become more consistent and process things quicker and use his athleticism that way like we'll talk a lot about it i'm sure but when he plays post safety and he reads the quarterback's intentions reads his shoulders reads his eyes knows where this place is going sees the route concepts does what jesse bates does his range is to the sideline on a throw it's not like he can't get over there but it's just not 
super common for him to perfectly read everything out in front of him right now and make that play. But he did it a few times this year. So you could see like these flashes of potential and you don't want to be talking about flashes going to a third year, but it was basically his first year. So if you think of it that way, I still think there's a lot of potential meat on the bone for Dax Hill's career as a defensive back. We'll talk about some of that potential. We'll also talk about his PFF grade. I think a lot of people look at his PFF grade and think, oh, that's just a bad player. 51? What are we doing? We'll get into those topics and more on the Dax Hill episode coming up next. This episode of Locked On Bengals is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What is the one move I can make to take my business to the next level in 2024? And you know the Bengals are asking the same question. LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why they have tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just another job board. We've talked to you about this before. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion with AB professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It's easy when you have access to that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of posting their job. That's why LinkedIn Jobs is rated number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors by small businesses. And it's intuitive, quick, and easy if you don't have a whole lot of time to dedicate to the process. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. By the way, if it was a 51 on the ACT, well, there you go. That's that's record breaker. So it just depends if you're talking about pro football focus or you're talking about ACT scores. We obviously love pro football focus, but l- let's start there because I also ACT say it's... ACT is out of 35 anyway. Go ahead. So if you get a 51 out of 35, is that good? It means that something has gone very, very wrong. No, it, it, it means... Mom, you I got that. a 51 on the ACT. It's the best ACT score of all time, guys. Are you serious? Uh, it's out of 35. Serious? Are you, Mr. Please, Jacob? Please let's Jacob. redirect this conversation. Clearly you never had a, above a 4.0. You can exceed. Now, maybe you can't do that on the ACT. No. But... No. Okay. Anyways. I'll let it go. Dax Hill is going to have a 151.2 at PFF next year. What goes into the what goes into the PFF score? For safeties, I always find it interesting, right? Because they're not involved in a ton of plays. So when you get a negative one or a negative two on a play, I mean that's just that's drastic. I feel like that's a big reason why Jesse Bates always had such a low grade, even if I thought he might have been playing above whatever his grade was given. It's just kind of the nature of trying to turn play football play into like this score and they're doing their best at it but when you safety is hard to do that with because they're not involved in too many plays especially i think the main plays that get the plus and minus one or when you're thrown at too it's not like you played over the top well and the ball got thrown underneath and they rallied and tackled but you can get a zero for that pretty much every time unless you did something crazy and then it's just the bounce of the ball i talked about this but they're playing against the jags it stinks he dropped an interception right yeah. But he also played great coverage, undercut it, got in position, got both hands on the ball. And if that ball just falls down and just hits his hands and goes down, you think, oh, okay, well, plus one. Like, he still did everything right. He just didn't catch it and hit the ground at PBU. It got great a minus one because it went up and the receiver caught it. And that's just kind of like the results of, like, the ball bounced wrong. Like, I don't know. And he just jumped. It. He jumped this early. And that's what it ended up costing him. I don't care if he jumped early. <laughs> 
Definitely should have caught. I told him that, by the way. But he he jumped that early, and I think that's what made it from went from like a clean catch to he had to extend more than than he realized in the moment. Yeah, that's that, that's that specific play. Or if it he bounces up and way there. back, like it just tips the hands and goes way back into the stands. Probably gets sure. a plus one because he did the right thing and played great coverage throughout that play up until the moment of the catch. But that moment of the catch changed everything. It was really just the bounce of the ball that changed everything. Not to pile on PFF or anything like that, but there are some positions that they do better than others. And safety, DB in general is one that I think has been open to criticism over time because of the way the, the grades reflect those pivotal moments. But we've talked a lot about how Dax was used. We've hinted at some of the things he does well, some of the things he doesn't do well. Mike, let's talk about some of those things. The versatility, the versatility, a big factor there in terms of being able to play the run well from a number of alignments, being a an athletic blitzer, he has a little bit of, of room for improvement there, but a pretty good blitzer. What what do you see as the primary strength? If you're hanging your hat on one top attribute for Dax, and then we'll talk about the rest. What is the calling card for Dax Hill's game? I feel like I was shocked by how good he was defending tight ends. Just, I I don't know if it was part of like knowing the Bengals were terrible against tight ends this year or whatever. Going into the review, I thought like, yeah, he was all right against tight ends. Like, I don't think he was terrible. Then I'm watching. I'm like, oh my goodness. Did he just play in the hip of Mark Andrews and break that pass up? And then another play like that. And it just went on and on. You think of that Pat Frymuth game. He had 120 yards. I think eight of them came against Dax in man coverage. And that was on a play that he got picked from a stack. So it wasn't like he got beat. There's other issues, and we will talk about the other issues with what they're doing and what's happening with the tight ends on early downs. But when it came to third down and when he would line up, play man coverage against him, he also did it against George Kittle. He had plenty of help in that situation. Why wouldn't you give help that's George Kittle? And they didn't even have Debo in that game. But Kittle had one catch on third down. Every other catch he had was on first and second down when he wasn't playing man coverage on him. So that was, I think, the thing that stuck out. And that doesn't mean he's Trey Flowers and you just bench him until it's third down for the tight end because I don't think it's his only good attribute. But when I watched back, I thought, okay, yeah, they don't they don't need to go try to find some tight end stopper because you're only going to employ that guy when you can put him in man coverage. And they have that guy, in my opinion. That's a good point because I think there are some that are like, they're missing the Trey Flowers on defense. So it, it is interesting to to hear you say that aspect of it. And that surprises me too. And obviously both me and Jake both watched every snap of Dax's this year. Let's discuss other other positives, other things he does well. What stands out when you watch him that our listeners may not have noticed or or maybe forgot because it's a really long season and who can remember September? It was a long year. I think he does have that uh, kind of insane person mentality a little bit playing in the box, the Mike Hilton, the linebacker in him, because he'll, he'll take on blocks in wide receivers blocking. He did a great job of just disregarding those guys and tight ends blocking him. He more than held his own. So I think this kind of lends to, Oh, he could defend tight ends and man coverage. He could play well. He play the run well from inside the box and take on blocks. I feel like there's, there's a path here for what he does well. And then, We'll probably get to it, but it's like, oh, what's Jordan Battle do well? <laughs> it's like, he's a big guy that can play in the box. Um, but yeah, I thought he did a good job when he's in the box, a little close to the line of scrimmage, playing underneath coverages and not having to play top down, which is, it feels so weird that like where he struggled was where some people kind of disregard like safety, but like, ah, oh, yeah, it's so easy to play uh, cover two, just play over the top or something. 
not that it really is, but that was where he struggled the most. But yeah, I think when he's in the box, he was good. And I guess I'd throw the other thing out there. We talked a little bit about it. He puts himself in a good position to pick the ball off plenty. He just didn't come away with all those interceptions. So there's hands work that needs done, but you don't drop three interceptions unless you put yourself in a position to catch three interceptions. I felt like he was pretty good from the top down against the run too, when he was a deep safety yeah, from the roof. in terms of, yeah, in just terms of getting off the roof. It, it felt like he triggered better, more quickly, more accurately coming off the roof in run defense. than he triggered generally in a number of situations that we'll talk about in terms of areas for improvement in, in coverage, where there were some mental lapses that appeared in coverage that didn't seem to happen as visibly in the run game. What do you think? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think it's just, I think Michigan asked him to do that more too. So he's probably more used to triggering run pass, even if it wasn't always from top down like that, that feels probably a little bit more natural than, okay, you're in quarters here and number two is vertical and number one's out. Then you got number two. And he goes, it's like, that's new to him. And we're going to talk about that. But what's not new is playing run pass and being a maniac. Is there anything else positive-wise before we get to, because we've hinted at it now for most of the pod, the, the bad stuff, and, and not just the bad stuff, but if he can improve in those areas, if it's realistic for him to take steps forward. Is there any other positive notes that we should hit on? It's going to be another box safety thing. He was a good blitzer, so he timed up, timed up snaps. He could play close to the line of scrimmage. He did a good job of taking – the one issue I had with him as a blitzer was any type of pump fake he jumped. And I was just – I don't know. Just run through that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just run it's, cool to, it's cool to get that PBU, but they're all pumping. Like none of them are actually throwing that ball right now. Yeah. So maybe put your hands up, but don't jump. Uh, so that was the only issue I had with him as a blitzer. Other than that, I thought he did a good job, both run and pass. You could think of the Rams forever ago, the Rams game where he blitzed on that toss play and made a tackle like five yards in the backfield. But also he got a few, he got at least a sack, maybe two sacks and some quarterback hits to go with it. And the other part was I talked a little bit about it, but I feel like he flashed range. I feel like he flashed like the athleticism and being able to harness that athleticism for coverage, not just in the box, not just playing, you know, the run, not just playing man to man on tight ends, but covering a lot of ground when he's asked to play deep middle of the field or even in a half type alignment, but squeezing things down and taking something away. So in summary, we've got, Great athleticism for Dax Hill. We've known that for a long time. Strong run defense, whether it's in the box or from the roof, meaning he's in a deep safety alignment. We've got really nice ability against tight ends and man coverage. And we've got some blitzing ability that even if it didn't necessarily always lead to quarterback sacks, was really good timing. And and that's probably the harder part is, is timing that up and getting into the quarterback's face. Some things that Dax does really well, plus the versatility to go along with it. If he can harness some of these things that we're about to talk about for areas of improvement, particularly when it comes to zone coverage and some particular coverages as a deep safety. We'll finish the show there coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That means with the NFL playoffs in full swing, there's not a better time to get to FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and take advantage of this offer. And maybe you're a big NBA fan like me, and it's not just the NFL. That's fine. Wager on the NBA. They're going to have the right parlays, different prop bets that you can wager on, money lines, anything in between that you could think of. FanDuel is going to have it for you. And 
Again, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a one, two, three, four, $5 bet. $5, turn that into $150 in bonus bets right now by going to fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, that is fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Mike, the the deep safety role, which is obviously the the role the Bengals, I think, are hoping Dax Hill develops into, certainly left something, a lot of things to be desired. What did he struggle with the most? What stood out? What is the, the, the biggest negatives right now with Dax Hill's game? So it's weird that I thought he was worse in split field than he was as opposed safety. It's just both quarters and half when either when he was playing, there were just mental errors. Maybe sometimes it was just like the processing was like a tick slow. I think of uh, actually a lot of different quarters plays where he's supposed to match number two or number three here. And he hasn't triggered yet. And then the ball's completed and he's closing in and he's making it difficult. But at the same time, he should have matched and been able to take that throw away instead of giving up 12 yards and making the tackle. That happened a bit on this quarter's thing. I think communication also, the infamous Rashi Rice play where he went the wrong way. But mm-hmm. there's some other stuff too. Like this one play against Pat Fryermuth, I remember I sent it to some coaching friends and they were all struggling on what coverage it was. And I think the consensus was he might have just busted because he didn't play quarters technique despite what everything else was telling on that. He takes a couple outside steps as if he's playing half field, like they're playing cover two, but they clearly weren't. Everybody else was playing quarters in front of him on his side of the field. So some of that comes up. And then the half field stuff was just there were touchdowns given up just because he maybe didn't take the proper angle. Maybe he wasn't able to get in between the two and midpoint them. And against the Rams talking about that game again, which showed as good, but this also showed as bad end of the game that throw up the right sideline to, I believe that was Puka Nakua at the very end of the game. That happens because Stafford looks inside and instead of staying between the two vertical routes, Dax breaks inside. And I mean, Stafford, known trick shot artist, he is going to look inside and throw the outside one. If he looks inside, it's probably more likely he's throwing the outside one to me. Just feel like he wants to just throw all no look passes. So he bid on that and gave that up as well. I think that the processing and knowing what's in front of him, route concepts, his assignment and knowing the rules of the coverage just wasn't all there at at NFL speed. I'm not saying he didn't know what he was doing. I'm saying that the NFL is so fast that if you have the slightest hesitation, it turns into maybe you don't maybe you know what you're doing, but you're still giving up the play. Yeah, it's mental stuff for the most part. It's not physical limitations with Dax. It's not like he's bouncing off a bunch of tackles or doesn't have the speed or you know, should or, or you know, his arms are too short or whatever it is thinking about criticism of some other Bengals and some other defensive players in the NFL, it's a little bit slow to trigger. It's getting things twisted in your, in your mind and going the wrong way on the Rasheed Rice touchdown. It's stuff like that that you really need to clean up and you would really hope that a year of experience would clean up in what will be his third year, but second year starting. But the fact that some of these things happen late in the season is probably why fans are a little bit concerned because you wouldn't expect those continued issues to be occurring late in the season. Another thing that Bengals coaches talked about was that there was more on the linebackers plate this year because of the departure of Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And so you would like to see that transition to the young guys they will have in the secondary Jordan battle and Dax Hill. And and that is another question as far as how do those guys coexist? Do you need another guy? Do you need 
another piece, another veteran who who can complement those two? Is there enough difference in their in their games in terms of strengths and weaknesses that they can complement each other, Mike? Or is that something that you see where there's a little bit of redundancy in the safety room for the Bengals? A little bit of both. A little bit of redundancy, which we hit on. The box safety build for Jordan Battle, who I think is also a little bit versatile just because he's so smart. He can play yeah. deep, especially that half and quarter stuff. If Dax was better at that now, and I didn't think I was having to project his ability as a quarters or half field safety, I would say they could probably live in those type of coverages and then switch things up just to keep defense or offenses honest too into some single high stuff. And But when you're and they might do that anyway but when Dax wasn't incredible at it it does add in the idea of like well can they live in that even if you know that might be an ideal world I think they can live together though I talked about the range that Dax Hill presented and I just remember the last season Jesse Bates was in Cincinnati it was almost in the season before that their two best seasons it was a little bit surprising how often Von Bell played deep to me because Jesse Bates, on, on paper, in theory, your deep safety. He's the one that's always middle of the field, Roman sideline to sideline. That's not how they always employed him. And you can think back to the 21 championship game. I always think back to that game. But the last play for the Chiefs offense was Tyreek Hill on a bender. And, mm-hmm. well, I guess that was that Jesse Bates was post-safety. But Von Bell was also deep because they're playing a uh, double robber situation. And he took him, he ran with him as well. Could you imagine Dax Hill playing over the top and Jordan Battle underneath on a guy? Yeah, I can. Can I imagine him perfectly getting over the top of a Patrick Mahomes deep ball to Tyreek Hill right now? No, not really. But (laughs) uh, I think the potential is there because he showed that he can move from the middle of the field to the sideline. When he reads things out, he shows this potential. It's just it's a lot of the mental stuff right now. And we didn't get to it, but really needs to work on the angles. The angles, they led to a touchdown for George Pickens, and they generally didn't put him in the best spot to make tackles throughout the game. That was a long way to say, I think they can coexist. They're a little redundant right now, but you're kind of hoping that the potential that we talked about with Hill, a lot of that comes from his potential as a deep safety. And if that blossoms, they're no longer that redundant. They just both play in the box well. I have a couple of things for you, Mike. The first one, because it it goes with the because he played a thousand plus snaps this year and we saw the struggles at the end of the year and it stood out everybody saw them. Did they use him the same way all year long? Was it different? Because it wasn't long. Well, it was a long time ago. But like after the Rams game, people I think were impressed by Dax and there were there were games early on where Nick Scott was taking the the blame so to speak and a lot of it rightfully so. But when Scott went out and battle came in, did Dax's Deep safety responsibilities, was he back there more, less, the same? I think if he went for the entire season, it wasn't too crazy different. I do remember, though, early on in the year, it was mostly Nick Scott deep and Dax Hill underneath. And then that kind of flipped. And that also signaled to me like they might be making a change at safety because battle, in theory, was better in the box. So maybe they're putting Nick Scott there and letting Dax Hill practice his deep stuff because, one, they believe he can do that. But, two, because they think that he might have to do that more when battle comes in. But then when Battle came in, they kind of split the role where it ended up being pretty much the same throughout. It's not like most teams don't do the whole Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, that's my free safety, that's my strong safety anymore. I mean, there are teams that do it, but most of the time you want, and the Bengals want this because they even did it with Von Bell and Jesse Bates, 
we want two guys that can play both roles. So that's where does is, are they redundant or are they going to both be able to play the role of either safety? Gotcha. And then second thing, how realistic is it for Dax to get better at angles or to get better at staying deep in, in all of those things? Is it realistic? Is it something that you see from young safeties or is this just the hope element of it and optimistic element of this with a, a former first round pick? Yeah, I think it's realistic. I mean, every every complaint I have feels like, it, and it runs into the question of do we underrate or do we overrate a, a prospect's ability to improve their processing? I don't know. But um, what I'm looking at, it's like none of this is physical limitations. So in theory, he could improve and become a stud at all this stuff. It's also possible he kind of stagnates at that and then you maybe find a different role or maybe you just kind of keep him in that role and know the limitations. But when I'm watching, I don't. I think it's realistic that he gets better at angles. He gets better at reading things out and route combinations, recognition, pattern recognition, and you know, not falling for deception from the quarterbacks and knowing his assignment perfectly so that he has no hesitation. I think all that's realistic. I, I, I don't know if it gets to the level of a Jesse Bates, who is one of the best in the league, and I get you know, maybe that's lofty, but does it get to where he's solid at reading everything out? And then the athleticism kind of takes him to the next step of that. Even though he's only solid at reading all this out, he's actually still a pretty good safety in coverage. And then you add on the stuff that he's already doing well. And the angles thing that to me, that feels a little bit like a young guy that just feels like he's not, that's just some rawness to the game where he's got to be a little bit more under control. And I think that is a lot of players have that issue of coming in and you kind of want them to be more, if you're going to be out of control or not running hard enough, everybody's going to want you to be out of control, but now you have to kind of harness that back in, kind of tame the wild horse, so to speak. And he is young, 23. So we'll be 23 for most of, or part of the 2024 season as well. So Room and time for development for Dak. So, but you need to see it. You do need to see it. A lot of the tools there. You also have a, a lot of safeties in this league that take a little bit of time and then figure it out. You also have a lot of variability at the position because like we talked about, safety messes up, goes for a touchdown, very visible, much like a corner or a tackle, giving up a touchdown or a sack respectively. When those mistakes happen, it's, it's very obvious. But if they don't happen as much over the course of a year, you, you get these inflection points and, and you have individual plays or a handful of plays that make a big difference on the way people remember your season. That's going to do it for this Dax Hill episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Find Mike's long write-up on Dax Hill at allbengals.com. Find him on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. Find his podcast. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Who day and have a good one.